So, Donna, if you have one concern about the race, what would that be? I would say any code browns for Hayden. I'm nervous about just making it to a bathroom. I don't know. Um, He almost, he told me one time he almost had a code brown the other day. So I think that would be my biggest concern for him. Making sure he knows where all the beacons of light are located. Hi. This is Landon Harrell, and I'm a big, tall basketball player from McKinney, Texas. Welcome to the Big Ass Runner Podcast, where we entertain and encourage trail runners from all over the world. Now, here's your host, who also happens to be my dad, Jeff, the Clydesdale Harrell. Well, thank you, Lando. What an amazing job. We brought that one back. Landon's off at school, and I missed the guy. He's a great kid. So I had to bring that back, and I had to bring it back because his brother may make an appearance in the show a little bit later. I've got four kids. Oldest is my daughter Hannah, then my son Hayden, then my daughter Ava, and my son Landon. And you may get to hear from my boys today. You just heard from one of them. You might get to hear from another. Well, my name is Jeff Harold. This is the Big Ass Runner Trail Running Podcast episode number 118. We have a great show. Segment one, if you've ever considered or have already done the Grand Canyon, the rim to rim, the rim to rim to rim. We have someone who attempted to tackle the Grand Canyon as well. You'll hear about that. He wrote a book about it. There are some circumstances by which he found himself in that you don't want to miss. That's segment number one. His name is Rick Mater. You're going to enjoy that. And then segment number two, my son Hayden, as I just mentioned, my oldest son, is tackling his first trail race ever in two days. We have some super secret audio, some behind the scenes. We're going to hear from several people talking about, is he ready? How does he feel? What are the concerns? If you've ever thought about, and a lot of you have already run many trail races, some of you may not have. You're going to learn either way. That's segment number two. But first, it's Halloween today. If you're listening to this on the day that it drops, if you're not, it's not Halloween today. But what I'm talking about when we're dropping this episode, it is Halloween. And I got to thinking, I wonder, you know, our kids are older now. We don't, we don't dress up. We don't usually go to any parties. It just kind of comes and goes usually hand out candy. That's about the extent of it. But I got to wondering, what are the top 10 Halloween costumes for 2022? Have they changed since I was a kid? And so I found U.S. News and World Report did a survey. And I've got the top 10 costumes for Halloween 2022. We're going to go in reverse order. See if you can guess what these were. These were more, I don't say boring than I thought. I thought there'd be more characters and things, but I actually cross-referenced this list and it's, it's legit. It's got some data behind it. The data scientists, I think, put this together. And I'll say there's not that many characters. Number 10 is a character. So the 10th most popular Halloween costume in 2022 is Harley Quinn. I did not see the movie, but I believe that is a character played by Margot Robbie in some movie. I've seen the character around. So that's number 10, Harley Quinn. Number nine, getting crazy, cowboy. Yeehaw. We probably higher in the list perhaps in Texas. I don't know. Maybe lower. Maybe we see so many cowboys here that no one wants to dress up as one. We got the stuff. We got the boots. We got the hat. We got the spurs. We got it all. Number nine, cowboy. What do you think number eight? Number eight, cheerleader. We are going to be real Spartan cheerleaders. This has got to be our year. Number eight. Number seven. Just this one surprised me. Rabbit. Now, in our neighborhood here in North Dallas, McKinney area, we have rabbits everywhere. They are all over the place. They're mating like rabbits. I guess that's where the saying comes from. 
But yeah, rabbit number seven. Number six, the pirate. Pirate number six. I've done that one, I think, a time or two when we have had costume parties to go to. You know what my my go-to costume is, by the way? Just parenthetically here as I have the microphone. Ace Fraley from Kiss. That's my favorite thing to dress up as. I dressed up as Ace one time and wore a suit to mimic one of their early albums, Dressed to Kill. And I won, we went to a, to a costume party with Scott and Christian Gracer, and I won scariest costume. I wasn't trying to be scary. You know what that said about me? Didn't have a beard at the time, though. Pirate, number six. Number five, fairy. That one surprised me. I haven't seen a lot of, I guess I haven't been around costumes that much, but that one surprised me. Number four, this is what I thought I'd see more of. Number four, Stranger Things. I guess that's just a category. Anybody from the series Stranger Things is on there. Number four. Number three, the dinosaur. Or if you watched a video when I was a kid, the dinosaur. I forget who that was that would say it, pronounce it that way. Even dinosaurs. The dinosaur number three doesn't say what kind i'm sure the the raptors t-rex are up there number two spider-man see i thought we'd get more batman more robin nope spider-man the only what do you call the movie marvel i don't know see this is where i'm out of my realm spider-man number two and number one i don't know what this says about us here in america number one is a witch There you go. Those are the top 10. Now, I also noticed on this article that they had the two other pieces of information I thought were interesting. One are the U.S. pumpkin productions by state. Which states produce the most pumpkins? And, you know, we talk a lot about pumpkin here. It's pumpkin season, certainly Halloween, but everything's pumpkin flavored right now, which is fine. I like it. Stephen doesn't. Many of you, I know it's controversial, but it's interesting to see what the top producing pumpkin states are. What do you think they are? I'm going to give you the top five. Number five surprised me. Maybe you shouldn't have. Michigan. I know we got a lot of listeners in Michigan. Denver's up in Michigan. Number five is Michigan. Number Four, my home state, Texas. That's not a surprise to me. Texas. Number three is maybe what I would have guessed for number one. California, number three. And then the top two surprised me a little bit. Maybe maybe not surprised me, but number one was number one by such a wide margin. That surprised me. But number two, number two is Indiana. And number one, this state produces four times more pumpkins than any other state, Illinois. Illinois, by far the highest producing pumpkin state in the United States. So those of you in Latvia, if you want to uh, create a pumpkin farm, find somebody in Illinois. They know how to do it, apparently. And then the third thing I found was Halloween costume spending by category. So in 2022, we spent here in the United States, I don't know how they get this number so quickly, $3.6 billion on Halloween costumes. Now they've broken it up by pets, adults, and children. I would have thought... Number one, by far, would be children. Nope. Number one, at $1.7 billion, it's not pets, it's not children, it's adults. Maybe they're going a little bit more extravagant, I don't know. But by far, U.S. spends more money on adult costumes. Number two is children at one2 And don't forget about dressing up your pets. (laughs) $0.7 billion industry. 
And it says the most common costume choices for American pets are a pumpkin, a hot dog, of course, a bat. How do you just, oh, oh, maybe I was thinking like a baseball bat. Maybe they're talking about a scary flying around bat. A bumblebee. And of course, we can't do anything without creating a witch. So there you go. There is some data around Halloween. Happy Halloween. Do you stay safe out there as you trick or treat? With that, let's get going on episode number 118 of the Big Ass Runner. Well, now joining us on the Big Ass Runner Hotline is Rick Mater. Rick, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeff. Super excited to have you on. And as you know, you're talking to the Big Ass Runner herd. We are everyday runners out there trying to make it happen, trying to get those big runs in and those those big races. And I know on a lot of our bucket lists is the Grand Canyon. Some of us have done it. I have not. It's on it's on my 2023 plan is to do rim to rim but you have done that or at least you've attempted so we're going to talk about that here in a second but before we do that i would love for the big ass runner herd just to get to know you a little bit so tell us a little bit about who you are a little bit about your your background and, and some of your running history okay well i live in la but i actually grew up in germany as a teenager going to u.s army high school and that's where i started running I ran cross-country, wrestled, ran cross-country. I guess that was my junior year. Came back to the States, ran track as senior year of high school as a miler, and ran cross-country in college. Lettered as a freshman. Hey, hey. Good job. Uh, It was a small college. It's not Ohio State or something. So, But then I stopped running after, actually before I graduated college, and and I didn't, I got back into it for a few years in the 1980s, which was good. I was still a pretty decent runner. I was in my 30s and, you know, ran 5Ks, uh, ran, ran marathons, but I, I overtrained and some people on, you know, listening might, you know, might be familiar with that. Where I just like, I went from, from very low mileage to 50 miles a week, 70 miles a week in way too fast, pushed myself too hard. And it really took the fun out of running. You know, if you're, if you're overtrained, you just start running out of gas and your body doesn't react well. So I stopped and I didn't start again for another 10 years. And it's a good thing I did. So I started in the mid uh, 1990s, but it, it is basically, well, as a piece of that, a side aspect to distance running, which I don't think most people think about that often is it, uh, it can be a lifesaver. And in my case, it literally saved my life, the fact that I was a distance runner when I had the heart attack. Yeah, tell us about that, because something happened on February 1st, 2007. So tell us about where you were in life at that at that place, how old you were, and what happened. I was 59. Uh, I married late, had kids late, so I had two kids that were Gosh, one would be, would have been, one daughter would have been 11, the other one about seven. And I started having some kind of runs where I'd have to stop, you know, uh, during a run. And then that day, that Thursday, I went out for a three mile run in Laurel Canyon here in Los Angeles. And literally just short of a half mile, I just felt like I had to stop, uh, like a car that had run out of gas. Like if I, running like I could, but it would be a really bad idea. And then I felt something in my chest and it was like, oh damn, you know, and I knew immediately it was a heart attack. And I actually walked the rest of the three mile course. And when I got back to the house, I'm thinking of going to my doctor and he kind of poo-pooed thing until I had an EKG. And then he just turned away the sheet and 
sent me up with a cardiologist immediately because he showed me the EKG. It was just completely abnormal. And and the cardiologist did the CT scan and pointed out, I, I had a complete blockage of the LAD, the Widowmaker, mm. the most dangerous artery to have an issue with. But there were ancillary blood vessels which went around the blockage to which he pointed out and he said, that's some resistance running. The body built up additional you know, blood vessels in response to, you know, if you're running 10 miles, 20 miles, whatever, doing marathons. So, so literally, I should have had a massive fatal heart attack, and I didn't. But it was still bad news, and he said I might have to have open-heart surgery. He would try an angioplasty first. And thank God the angioplasty worked. And I don't know if anybody else has been through this is listening, but you have an option of twilight anesthesia. So if you want, you can actually stay awake. And I was able to see one of the monitors that they did the basically rotor rootering the artery. And when I saw the closing breakup, I was like, thank, thank God, no open heart surgery, you know, weeks of recovery and much riskier than angioplasty. Even if mine was an emergency angioplasty, I had three cents placed in the, the Widowmaker. But I know it's going to survive. The kids going to be fatherless. And, you know, it was a, it was a huge big deal. I have a chapter in the book that this angioplasty will be televised. It's kind of, kind of ironic because I work in television. <laughs> <laughs> but he told me in a follow-up visit a few days later, he, he said, you know, i got to tell you, um, it, it's time to hang up your running shoes. You know, it's a, running's a risk factor now you know, for a heart attack, even for a stroke. And I was, like, really thrown, and I was there with my wife, and I was on the car end, and, and we contacted for a second, and, you know, we said to him, I, I, think, I think we need a second opinion. And he was basically fine with that. So I found a cardiologist who was more sympathetic to exercising even with, you know, cardiac issues. So that was great because I, and I think a lot of people listening can relate to this, you know, you're, you're, you're driven to run, you, you love it, you enjoy it. Then on top of that, you find out it saved your life. So, so if you stop running, does that mean all those extra blood vessels, atrophy, et cetera? Um, so, so my feeling was to, to keep running, do it as safely as possible. And I think we've talked about that on the show before. I've had some, some foot issues, and when I go to see the doctor, I, I like to find out, are they athletic? Are they runners as well? Because I think you know, a lot of doctors have good intentions about running, but unless they are actually, you know, doing it, uh, I feel like, you know, I, I don't know that they're going to understand kind of the heart of a runner, like, like if the doctor was a runner. So I'm, I'm glad you went for that second opinion and that, that, that second cardiologist was, was in favor of you continuing to, to exercise and run. And, and that led you, I guess you said you were 59 in 2007. So about five years later, you decide to take on the Grand Canyon. What what brought you from that point where you're you're going through this this health scare? This not even a scare, a real real condition. This gosh, they call it the widow maker for a reason. To the fact that yeah, now you're going to lace it up and, and run the Grand Canyon. What led you from that point to that second point? Well, I had gone back to to running, even racing. Like running, and uh, you know, like uh, I was good enough, like when my age group in like a small 5k, we used to take kids to the east coast for vacation, so we used to run a 5k in Bunkport, Maine. But time wise, you know, you don't you can't match the time when you were younger. I guess 5k was in my 30s, I think it was, it was like 18 minutes and change. Uh, there's no way I was going to go back to that, and I was never a great marathoner. I have a cousin who's a year older who went with a group of friends to the Grand Canyon every year. And he invited me to go along and, and I went and they were hiking the canyon. So so hiked down the side south side bot trail to Cedar Ridge and they were taking a rest break, but I was like getting really jazzed about the Grand Canyon. I started thinking, this would be a really cool place to run. So I went on ahead and and did the route so low and tried out running in a few spots. And that's really when I decided to run it. 
Wow. So you got a little flavor of it, got a little taste of it. You decided you're going to run the whole thing. What, what was the timeline in between when you had gone with your friends and then you decided to run it? It was going to be a few months, but I was due for my annual treadmill test. Um, and also my younger daughter was really in my case because we had actually visited once and hiked a little, a little way down. So she knew what it was like. And I went and had my treadmill test and I flunked it because I was back to 80% occluded in the LAD. So instead of running the Grand Canyon that year, I had to have another angioplasty. Oh, man. Yes, it's like the latest. And then trained up and went back in 2012, early June. There's a, we can talk about it separately, but there's there's so many risk factors around the Grand Canyon and things to keep in mind. And one of them is the time of year. So the ideal time to run it is May to June, especially early June and September, and to look to avoid July and August because that's when you hit the, the you know 115 degrees in the gorge kind of temperature. Yeah, it gets hot down there. It gets really hot, um, and um, you know, partly the height and the drama. Frankly, I, I do get into fatalities in the Grand Canyon, but also because it it, it is a risk and. And stuff happens every year, and they're just tragic stories. Um, runners are rarely the people that die in the canyon. It's usually people falling, for example, uh, from Hula Point, which tragically happened about a year ago to like a woman in her 30s. Just this tiny little place that sticks out with a major view of the canyon. But all you need is to bump into somebody, and you fall 300 feet to your death. Yeah. And tragically, that stuff happens. And people on hikes, they don't have enough water, people with medical conditions. But basically, I made sure to carry a lot of water with me. I took uh, five bottles of water. Yeah, that's that's probably not something you want to chance. <laughs> you want to make sure you've got enough. Yeah, because I, I, sure. I, I, you know, if you've got enough time, I'll just mention briefly. I, I covered just the truly tragic story of Marcus Bradley who was uh, a female marathoner, championship caliber. And there was a point on the, on the, uh, that it had a, a trailhead of um, Bright Angel where her picture was there uh, and her running the Boston Marathon. And it said, could you run the Boston Marathon? And then it had her life and death debate. And she died running down the Grandview Trail and coming east and make it to South, the South Kaibab, she ran with the sky. Um, but they totally miscalculated the distance that went down too late in the, in the day. And and she actually had the same amount of water I did, but they had a, just a, a brutal brute. And, and she died, tragically, trying to make wow. it down to the Colorado. So I don't want to say too much about that, but I acknowledge her story in the book. And it is just a bit of a cautionary tale that, you know, stick to the main trails, you know, you know, have people know where you are and when you're supposed yep. to be back out. Because um, uh, it's not an outdoor Disneyland. And you've mentioned this a couple of times, but you, you wrote a book about your experience and it's called Six Hours Running for My Life in the Grand Canyon. I think it's available in most places. And so definitely recommend getting it because you talk a lot, not just about that day, but you talk a lot about the history and the geology and a lot, just there's it's almost a history lesson as well. So definitely recommend it. But we got to know, Rick, how did you make it? How, how'd it go? <laughs> I um, I had arbitrarily a blogger, a guy maybe in his thirties, had posted that he ran the route in under six hours, and so I decided I was going to match him because I was like 30 years older. So it was run the canyon and do it in under six hours. South Kaibab down to cross Colorado on the Black Bridge, go up to Phantom Ranch, come back down to the river, cross the Silver Bridge, cut west, and then up Bright Angel, up to the Devil's Corkscrew, and, and just a really brutal ascent. And I went down early, which is a, a tip I, I highly recommend. It's a, um, it's a mistake Mark Bradley made and some other people. If you go down at daybreak, at like 5 a.m., it means you get down to the gorge at, say, 7 a.m., and it's going to be like 70 degrees down there. It'll be 105 at 1 in the afternoon. 
Man. And then you get out of the gorge. It was like 80 when we started heading up. And by the way, parenthetically, that's what makes rim to rim or rim to rim to rim. If you go the 26 miles, whatever it is, uh, if you do that, that whole route, because when you come back down, then you have to deal with the gorge at maximum heat. Yeah. So that's what makes that really tough. In my case, I was a cardiac patient, so, so my family wasn't crazy about me doing it. My, my cardiologist who was a cyclist <laughs> wasn't crazy about me doing it. So that was uh, just an additional risk factor in my case. So in terms of I actually, then you know, we'll talk about the other stuff, but I missed my time goal. Uh, I want to tell you half an hour. It's in the book. Because, because in the last part of it, I just decided at the end, you know, I, I wanted to, you know, survive it and want to just totally overdo it, have a stroke in the Grand Canyon and check out. You know, wanted to reconnect with the family, with my kids who are young. And I did go back a year later. And I and um, I also, I rather embarrassingly, made the same mistakes I did in my first marathon, which was not drinking water and not doing gels or anything. So when I went back, that really made it tough coming out. When I went back the following year, I took Gatorade with me, I took gels with me, and I did the run, and I broke it. I broke six hours the, the following nice. year. Nice. Nice. So you, you, so you finished both times. You just weren't happy with your time the first time and went back and got it. Right. And then after that, and it's in the book, uh, you know, I, I kind of went back into, I got into a little more of a zen mode of just enjoying the canyon, like going down on hiking the Tonto Trail, which, which runs along the top of the Colorado. It's actually, you got to be really careful because it, there's very, very few people on it. But if you're down there early in the morning, you've got water, you know, the sun's coming up, you're in the Grand Canyon, and it's just gorgeous. In terms of the other stuff, um, yes, the, the one of the really cool things about the Grand Canyon is you literally run through geologic time. So when you start, start out on the, um, the South Kaibab Trail, you're, it's Kaibab limestone, which is like 300 million years old. And you're actually traversing what was the last supercontinent, Pangea. And you traverse three more supercontinents on the way down. So you get down to the gorge. And that's a supercontinent that they only recently you know, figured out occurred. And it was Columbia, which was barren, no life on land yet. But basically, you know, the tectonic plate activity, you know, you've got the continents in motion, and they, every couple hundred million years, they come together in a supercontinent. And we're going to have another one about 200 million years from now, which has been dubbed Pangea Ultima. Well, like I said, there's, there's so many great stories like the ones you just shared, Rick, in the books. Highly recommended. Like I said, it's called Six Hours Running for My Life in the Grand Canyon. I'd love to kind of maybe wrap this up, Rick, with hearing a little bit about what you learned. What did you learn through this experience? You did it two years in a row, but what were some of the life lessons that you took away? Well, first of all, just plug it, the book in the sense that um, you can order it through your local bookstore. So it's on Ingram Park, which is what brick and mortar stores love to order from. And it's also on Amazon, which brick and mortar stores don't love. Yeah. So you can order from Amazon to support your brick and mortar store and order it. It should hopefully be in more stores uh, on the shelves going forward. In terms of lessons, it's tough because I learned, you know, it gets really highly personal and it's in the book. I think my family has some good points that on one, in one respect, it was something I had to do in the Grand Canyon. On the other hand, it was, it was putting my life at risk and I had kids. Yep. And, you know, so it's tough to balance because the other part is you learn lessons driving yourself when you set a goal. You know, whether it's a race goal or just a distance running goal. You, I think that you can take um, a certain pride in, in achieving things, especially if people told you to stop running because of a medical condition, for example, you know, you're a cardiac patient. Uh, in fact, I should mention, there's the group Cardiac Athletes, which is actually headquartered in Australia, and I remember. So for if there's anybody listening who, and, the, and these are people that tend to have, tend to be an inherited health condition, you know, like uh, you're a runner, mm-hmm. you're a cyclist, swimmer. 
And sometimes it happens to people way younger than me, like they're 30 years old and suddenly they have a heart attack on a run or whatever. So it's a terrific support group for, you know, it's international, it's US, UK, Canada, and Australia, and New Zealand. And I've actually sold some books through that, which is cool. <laughs> I like to think that people in Australia are buying, you know, six hours buying for my life. So, so in terms of lessons, is it's not as clear, you know, as it should be because of what I said. It's like I came out with some good intentions of uh, focusing on the family more. It's not always easy to execute on your good intentions. And it's like when you survive, you survive a heart attack when you should have died. I think it's tough to maintain that kind of magic glow you have. Once you, like when I went back to running after the heart attack, you have a heightened sense of awareness and the trick is, can you, and, and enlightenment, you know, you're appreciating the world. You're like being born anew. You should have died. I think what people don't talk about too often is it's very hard to maintain that. <laughs> you can say that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So it's kind of a, a mix of bag, but I think all in all, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I did it again. I still run. I'm 74. Um, give myself permission to do some power hiking sometimes, going uphill. So I like to hill run. But I think the important thing is to stay active. And if you're younger, I kind of wish when I was running Grand Canyon, I have a little thing in there. So I wish I'd done it when I was in my 30s. Because it's treacherous, and people should be warned about that. I call them cross-trail logs. They have blocks in place going down the South Kaibab and and also the Bright Angel to keep the the dirt in place. But it's really eroded in between them. So they're places where you can literally trip and and fall off the trail and fall down the hillside or cliffside. So it's very tricky. I think it's I think it's more manageable when you're younger. But people shouldn't be dissuaded from doing it in their 50s and 60s and even 70s. Awesome. So it sounds like a couple things I heard. Take the Grand Canyon seriously. (laughs) It's a monumental kind of effort. And and like you said, you can get caught without water in the heat, tripping. There's all kinds of things to to think about. But, But do it, right? I think you would say go for it, especially... You know, don't don't wait. Go for it. And I shared this on the show uh, many episodes ago. My wife and I were in a automobile accident that could have been really bad, oh, wow. and and it wasn't. And it was kind of one of those situations where you reset and go, man, I'm thankful for a lot of things. It's it's just one of those moments in time where you get a little bit of a reset, and you think about your family and your friends and in your life. And there's a new appreciation for it. So it sounds like that's a similar kind of experience you had to this medical situation with your heart. Right. And then I had, it was compounded um, in 2016. Uh, The run was 2012. It takes a while to get a book done. Plus I just done a novel. And I had an additional cardiac incident in 2016, which is an hack of ventricular fibrillation but the heart goes into spasms and you pass out and you die if you don't snap out of it. Oh, man. Yeah, and I hit my head on a tile floor. I was actually at a coffee shop. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and, uh, my wife uh, came and picked me up and bottom line was I had to get a, you know, sh- my own shock pattern inserted in the, the side of my chest, defibrillator inside of my chest, which if I was to have another attack would, would shock me into consciousness but i haven't had one since then but i still kept running so yeah and it'd be nice if we could we could always be i don't know how if you were able to maintain the appreciation of life after the uh, car accident i I think in our best days and best days of mind we can do that but i think it can be hard to hang on to that it is it's it's a daily kind of renewal of the mind saying i'm just thankful for for what i have so it is fleeting at times and and i think that's why self-reflection is is so important yeah and there's there's a lot of that in in the six hours book because i think when you hit a certain age you also start looking back at your life so there's there's that element 
and people my age or, or younger, I see a lot of that. People kind of, you know, they're dealing with retirement. I actually still work full time, but you kind of assess your life. And when, it, when I was running the Grand Canyon, it was, I think, a good place to do that because I was putting myself at risk. And if something happened, you know, how do you feel about the life you've lived? Awesome. Well, Rick, thanks again for joining the show. Again, the, the book is Six Hours Running for My Life in the Grand Canyon. Buy it at a local bookstore if you can, if you need to buy it online at Amazon. I'll actually put a link in the show notes as well. You can link straight to the book. Rick, thanks so much for sharing and for, for being on The Big Ass Runner. And uh, let's stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jeff. Well, one of the things we love to do is to give shout-outs and kudos to the big-ass runners out there just making it happen today. I want to give a shout-out to one of our Strava Club members. Did you know there's a big-ass runner Strava Club that you can join? We have a ton of members of this, and it's just fun to keep track of each other, encourage each other there on Strava. And I wanted to give out a shout-out and kudo to Rusty Smith from Woodstock, Georgia. Rusty is leading in mileage this week. He's already put in this week 47 miles. And what I noticed about Rusty is he is very consistent in terms of putting in those miles each week. Actually, a little bit jelly of how many miles he's able to put in. Let's see, last week was 39, week before 62, 61, week before that, 38, 65. He is putting in the miles. Not sure, if Rusty, if you're training for something, but you're out there making it happen. So way to go, Rusty. Well, as I mentioned in the open, this coming weekend, by the time you hear this, it will have already happened. But this coming weekend, in two days, basically, my oldest son, Hayden, is running his very first trail race. And unfortunately, we've had COVID hit our household, hit my wife, Allison. And so we are bunkering up at an exclusive secret location and I was able to get some secret audio. So have a listen to this. All right, I'm here with Marcy Bazer. Hey, Jeff. Marcy, we're in your home. This is my home. This is crazy. (laughs) We're in a secret location, a.k.a. Marcy's home. (laughs) Undisclosed. And you have been preparing food for our trip. It's like it's almost as if you're preparing a comfort station. I am. I'm mobile comfort oh. station, if you will. It's going to be the uh, big ass runner RV. I have been making vats of spaghetti and brownies, so uh, we won't go hungry, Jeff. That's for sure. We never do. Never do. So we're talking about Hayden's first trail race, and I wonder. Do you think he's going to finish? Well, is he doing the 25? He's doing 25K. Okay. I think he will. Yeah? I think he will. I think uh, if you're finishing, he's finishing. Even if it's I'm not in. running. You're uh, running? Breaking news. I'm not running. I did not Yeah. That. So he's on his own. Oh, poor Hato. I hope he didn't tell him. TB would wait for him. No. <laughs> we, knew, we knew Timmy Time would not wait, and Steven's too fast, so he's on his own. Okay. I've got every confidence that Hato has got this. Don't you? He's got the hair. Like, he's got the long Timmy Time hair. Yes. The mustache could be problematic. Yeah, the, the, it's like an eyebrow on his lip. And... That might that might cause some problems. <laughs> I think I'll make it. In spite, if I'll bring a razor in case we need to shave that bad boy off when he makes a loop around. Are we doing ins and outs? Are we doing loop arounds? It's, uh, <laughs> it one, back and in one full loop. Oh, one full loop. So yes. he'll only see me in the beginning and the end. However, he will be fueled by the Marcy spaghetti. Oh yes, yes, so. or just. 
laden down and heavy. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I think with all the Marcy Comfort Station food, he, he'll be ready. Be ready oh, to go. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. She show- We're now walking over to the kitchen table area, and we are, oh, we got hamburger buns. Oh, we have powdered donuts. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The ultimate comfort station. Yes. Food. Like, it's a whole vat of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not even a sleeve. There's a lot of us. There's six, and who knows? Yeah, there's bagels in here. There's, yes. what are these things? These are, oh, pistachios. Oh, look. Oh, yeah, big old Jimmy time. hot tamales. Hot this tamales. is where, when I wish this was a YouTube channel so that people could see all the food. All, all the, the food. food. I know. This is just the... Bananas I see in there. Yeah, there's this bananas. Is, it's yeah, a big nut mix. Pancakes for Sunday morning. Yep. We're good All to go. Yep. So he'll be fueled. He'll be ready. You think he's going to make it? Oh, 100%. You, hear, you heard it here first. Oh, yeah. And if not, I'll go out there and drag him in. <laughs> well, there you go, Hato. You'll hear this afterwards, but you're getting dragged in, my, my friend. <laughs> he'll make it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, I'm here in a uh, secret location. It is the Timmy Time Baser Mansion, Manor, something like that. Timmy Time, where is the room where you keep all the money and hair products? Uh, the hair products are none. No hair and products. The money is MB takes care of that. <laughs> Marcy's got all the money. I'm like on a little allowance. Oh, Marcy gives you an allowance. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Good. I get like 18 bucks a week. Really? Yeah. And you eat at Taco Bell and stuff like oh, that? Dude, I love Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> well, the big question of the day is, is Hayden going to make it? Is he going to complete the 25K? What is your opinion? 100%. Well, that's what Marcy yeah. said. I don't know if he'll run the entire time, Yeah. but he'll finish. So he, he might walk. I would say maybe. He might hike. Hike. He might get dragged by Marcy. Maybe. All <laughs> options. All of those are on the table. Yeah, he may get beat by Marcy. What do you think, what would the, your advice be to him for running his first trail race? Take it easy. Oh, like a little eagles. Yes. Take it easy. Take it easy. Take it easy. Yeah. And did hey, you? Done. don't start off too fast or you're going to fail. Woo! <laughs> a new song. And is that based on experience? Is that? So tell us a little bit about that. So I think a lot of people know I'm known for, uh, or used to be known for, starting a little fast out of the gate. Yeah. Thinking that I can keep up with the elites. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah, just that energy, that pump, your heart racing, adrenaline's up, and you're like, I'm not going to get past. And then about two miles later, you're like, in last. Because <laughs> you're dead. Because <laughs> you're dead or worse. But <laughs> yeah, you could be dead or worse. Now, you you said used to. So what's what's happened since that beginning, those mistakes early on? It's called experience. Oh, Wow. <laughs> Don't have yeah. the experience. Yeah, he doesn't have the experience. So now I have some experience. So I will uh, start off at a nice pace, yeah. let my heart rate get used to it, and then uh, then then you see what happens. So he needs to start slow mm-hmm. and then taper off from there. <laughs> Depends on what kind of shape he's in. I think he's in good shape. We're going to hear from him. Yeah. We're going to hear from him here in a second. But now, I think I know, he's in good shape. I heard a rumor he's been running a half marathon every month. For the last four or five months, yeah. Is that road or trails? Trail. Oh, then he'll be fine. But as Marcy and I discussed earlier, the mustache could be a problem. <laughs> the wind resistance. <laughs> hey, he does have the flow, though. He so, has the flow, he has so he's got the power. But the trail look. He does the trail look, for yeah. sure. He's wearing Path Project yeah. stuff. He got him some, uh, some Hoka. Okay. So he's, he's got all the gear. But it's just, it's the eyebrow on the lip that I'm worried about. <laughs> That's the one thing I'm worried about. Can we get a picture of him? Oh, yeah, we'll get a yeah. picture. Okay. So final, final words of advice for Hayden. Finish. Finish. Finish, finish. strong, baby. Finish. You don't have to finish strong. Well, you know, the funny thing is, no matter how bad you're doing in a race, that last like quarter of a mile when you hear people, everybody runs. Sure, that's true. Everybody Great. Like it's like strong. a that's right. It's like a horse to the barn, baby. Well, you heard it here first from both Bazers. They said 100. percent He's going to finish. Oh, yeah. 
If I got Hato on my back, he's coming. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> yeah, we will find out how it goes next week. Oh, yeah. So I'm here with Donna Harrell, Hayden's wife. Donna, Hayden's running his very first trail race. What are your thoughts? What are your, what are your concerns? What are your hopes? What, what, are your, what are your thoughts right now? Let's see. I am super proud of him, one, for taking this step and becoming a trail runner. I think that's something that he wasn't the most uh, into at one point. But then I think after working Bandera really is when his love of the energy came up. And um, I'm just excited for him to be one of those runners now that I've run an aid station it'd be cool to see hayden as a runner so see him on that side of it enjoying the greatness of the aid station food so donna if you have one concern about the race what would that be i would say any code browns for hayden oh, i'm yes. nervous about just making it to a bathroom i don't know um, he almost, he told me one time he almost had a code brown the other day. So I think that would be my biggest concern for him. Making sure he knows where all the beacons of light are located. Well, what is your confidence level that he's going to finish? Ooh, I would say a hundred percent confident, but he told me that his main goal is just to not have Tim lap him while he's doing the 50 K. <laughs> I've had that very same fear, so I can relate. Well, there you go. That's three for three on 100%. Now we're going to talk to Hayden. Hayden Harrell, you're two days away from your very first trail race. What are, what are the thoughts? Very excited. Um, I feel like these last two weeks, really kicking up the training, trying to um, just get my legs ready, um, started to realize I'm kind of enjoying running, which I feel like last time I was on kind of talked about, oh, it's all about the mindset and pushing through the the suckiness of it. But um, there have been many times where I'm looking forward to to my next run. And so that's been a really cool aspect. Um, but yeah, just ready to, to get out there and experience the energy and um, just the adrenaline of, of race day, something I haven't really felt before. Do you think the love of running and the length of hair are associated? Directly. Directly yes. correlated. The flow? You and Timmy Time need to... I think you've, I think you've passed him in the flow. Tell us about the flow. Um, well, I always kind of wanted to grow it out, especially during COVID when that was kind of the thing. All the barbershops were closed down, but that was actually when I started dating my now wife, uh -oh. so I had to keep it... Clean cut. You had to look good. And then we got engaged, so I couldn't grow it out for a wedding. So as soon as we got married, we I just didn't cut it since then. So, out, yeah, saving a ton of money and looking good for doing it. Tell us a little bit about the strategy. Now, you're a couple of days out. What, do you, what's your, what are you going to wear? I see you got a Path Projects hat on. What, what's, the, what's the gear situation? Uh, I got some new Hoka's, um, Speed Goat 5s. I've run in them twice now, so hopefully broken in. They That's feel funny. great. That's funny. They feel great. They've got about 10 miles on them. Um, so those feel good. Got some feature socks I'm really excited about. My blisters the first couple months were just horrible, so upgraded the socks. Um, I'll have a, a spy belt. For my oh, yeah. phone, just in case. An Austin product. Yep, just in case. Uh, I need the phone. And then I've got a hydration vest with two water bottles. And I keep my knee brace in there just in case. I have a history of my left knee really bothering me. But I think as I've strengthened it up, it doesn't really bother me anymore. But just in case. And then a Nike Trail Run shirt, Path Project shorts, and then a Path Projects hat. Nice. You're going to look good out there. Uh, I think I will. I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Donna. What's your, what's your biggest concern? I think for me, getting lost. I have a <laughs> horrible track record of my trail runs in Austin, where I just look around and realize there is no trail to be found, just trees and bushes. So definitely getting lost. Um, I think Code Brown is probably a, a second to that. I feel like I can handle that even better than just being in the middle of nowhere. True, true. You can always look for that beacon of light or that tree nearby. No, exactly. Tree yeah, nearby is find just bring an extra sock. Well. That's all I'm saying. 
Well, tune in next week and we'll find out if Hayden is able to complete his first trail race. Ready to find out myself. Well, believe it or not, that is the end of episode number 118 of The Big Ass Runner. Hope you enjoyed that little secret audio, and we'll find out next week how Hato did up in Lake Murray. Thanks to everyone that was part of this episode. Landon Harrell for the intro, to Rick Mater for sharing his experience in the Grand Canyon, to the Bazers for their wit, insight into Donna and Hayden Harrell for sharing some secret audio with us as well. Big news, by the way, if you're fans of Path Projects as I am, by the way, Hayden's wearing Path head-to-toe pretty much for this race. Two things that they just came out with, they came out with their Wheeler pants. Mine are on the way. I just got a notice today. Shipping is delivering, I think, today or tomorrow. Very excited about that. Full-length Wheeler pants. And then they also, one of my favorite pieces that they do is the Pyrenees hooded shirt they're coming out with a heavier weight it's a very light the Pyrenees is very light which I love but if you're running in colder temps and want a little bit more they've got a medium weight coming out I think it just launched today so check it out pathprojects.com great fans of them they've been great partners of ours since day one check that out also big thanks to Steve Sassafras Saunders for making us sound so good. He's our audio engineer. Well, thanks so much for listening, for joining the show. Get out there, hit those trails, and keep running your asses off. So you get a little taste of it. You're like, hey, I think I'm, I think I'm going to do this, and and you you did. You laced them up. So tell us about when you made the. Re- Let me start the start over. So it's a good example of me me messing up. <laughs>